0: Yo, welcome into the CHGL White Sox podcast. Uh- Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app today and use promo code CHU when you sign up. Uh, welcome in to Studio A of our CHU offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. You can find me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. It's been a while since I've done this, so I am not speaking correctly. Uh, who's shocked? Welcome in. Uh, we got the full CHGO White Sox crew with me. Vinny Duber, also back from his siesta. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. Jared Willis filled in over the weekend. So, there's some uh, pieces up on allchgo.com about your Chicago White Sox that you can check out from Jared and the man that filled in on Sunday along with the uh, 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 Southside Bumps, uh, Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Echnerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. Um, And shout out to Kevin Wells, who's producing the show today. Um, Herb. Hello. How are you feeling after this weekend? Because I was checking in. Mm -hmm. They do, weirdly enough, have internet in Iowa. I was surprised. Um, and I saw that the White Sox won on Friday. Correct. And then I saw on Saturday, mm. my guy Andrew Vaughn went deep. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. one nothing White Sox. And then, and then they lost that game. Yeah. And then I saw that on Sunday, they went up as well. 5-1. to one. They went up 5-1. to one. Mm. They lost that game, too. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Not What's good. going on? Um, the Friday game, I was at the game, and that's why you see the shirt right there, the uh, Hawaiian shirt in the forefront. Um... Great giveaway. The White Sox do a great job with these uh, giveaways, even though I'm not a Hawaiian shirt guy. But um, to see Andrew Vaughn go oppo with a little power. He hit that into the opposing uh, bullpen. It was good to see. But that was it. That's literally it. And I know people are going to jump on Joe Kelly and Tim Anderson for the play that he didn't make on Saturday. But it's one run. This has been a theme throughout the year for the White Sox, scoring and depending on your bullpen and your pitching staff to bail you out. That's not going to happen all the time. You get a good outing from Michael Kopech. You get a great outing from Lucas Giolito on Sunday. Like you're supposed to win those. And the offense did show up on Sunday, but then Kendall Graveman and uh, Keenan Milton give up five runs in the eighth and ninth inning to close that one out. It's just sometimes those things happen because, you know, the matter of a season, you're going to lose a couple games that are uh, winnable. They had the lead in all three of the games. It should have been a sweep, but, a sweep, but, you know, this team is not a good team. They're still nine games behind 500. but as we always say, they're not far behind, four and a half games behind the Twins because the Twins, also not a good team. They went and uh, lost themselves. So, yes, bad weekend, but also hope is not lost. It's the same situation as we had the week before just I think a game worse than we were a week before
0: yeah we'll talk about the White Sox and if we should be adjusting our expectations a little bit in the second part of the show we'll be getting into the Monday mailbag from our CHGO diehards um, our main topic is Liam Hendricks who's telling us to to, to give us a like uh, Liam did hit the IL so we'll talk about that injury but before uh, ma- mostly main, mainly the comments are uh, about our uh, your colleague James Fegan and who was once a guest here on the CHGO White Sox podcast. Um, James has done a fantastic job for many years with the athletic covering the White Sox. Unfortunately, uh, he and, James Feagan fashioned, uh, announced that he was fired <laughs> and let go in a part of the layoffs uh, from The Athletic. I believe they uh, let go 4% of their newsroom, which was about 20 journalists or so. Um, so we want to give our best wishes out to James because he did a fantastic job for many years covering uh, the White Sox rebuild. Um, I think he was there before 2019,
1: right? Year year before me. So he his first year was on the beat full time was 2017. Uh, so, yeah. Been, he's been a my fellow beat writer for a long time. This really sucks. Um, if for no other reason than just won't be able to sit by him and right. crack wise throughout the whole games. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, this is terrible. He he does a better job than anybody. He's the best, and uh, he'll continue to be the best whenever he's doing something something else. Uh, but for this to to come to an end, it's awful. It sucks and this it. Uh, these days we have these days we have these days far too often in this business so that is also a real bummer but um, there are a few you know there are not enough good words I could say about James and not enough bad words I could say about the situation right now so we'll just leave it at that and say um, all the best to James Fegan uh, you know for here from here on out
0: well, and I wouldn't be surprised too if someone is calling James Fegan's phone right now about about something. I'm sure there's else because, many someone. Right. I'm anyway, sure there's many someone. He's yes. incredible. He's so, a huge free um, agent. I would pick him up in a second. I, I, we're not so too lucky. worried about James. Just you know, what, what's the saying, Herb? I mean, I think Danny Mac you know, used to say this. You know, you kind of know you've made it in media when you've been fired. Um, <laughs> so there you go. I mean, you know, James, it's just a, another uh, what hat on the wall or skin on the wall, whatever. Um, he, he's gonna. He's and, he's. He's witty. Yeah, he is. I he is him. witty. That is true. Is that a good I love, good I love that guy.
2: <laughs> and he taught me about a burrito place, uh, too, when he was on the score with uh, Lawrence. He, he in was, San Diego or here? No, here. Here in Chicago. He was ordered a big-ass burrito. I, I marked it down, and I went to that place after. I was like, James is right about his burrito selection. Uh, baseball toss. Happy birthday yesterday, by the way. 19. Wow. Must be good. Hey, be 19. Nice.
0: <laughs> hey. Uh, I love Steely. I, I don't know if uh, that 19-year-old knows that reference.
2: Can't imagine any current nineteen year old does. Baseball right. toss, go ahead and listen to Hey Nineteen, and get back to us with a
0: book report. <laughs> listen listen to any Steely Dan, please. Deacon Blues. Mm. Asia. Mm. You're not an Asia guy, right? I don't like Asia. You no. don't like Asia. No. The song hate- or the album or both? The album. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You like Peg? You're a big who, Mike McDonald guy. It? I did watch Yacht Rock, by the way. And? I did watch episode one. It was good. Mm-hmm. I know the guy with the the like kind of the, the poodle hair, the blonde You're talking about the uh, the music critic oh that's kind of in the start of it i don't steve know steve or something yes yeah. uh, i thought you were talking about daryl hall no wonder. uh <laughs> shout out to james vegan and uh you know best of luck because um obviously it's just not the news anyone wanted to hear today and uh you know, obviously james himself didn't want to hear today so uh best of luck to james and hopefully uh we, we have some good news to share uh, about his next uh, steps soon um let's go into the White Sox, uh, not the best news for Liam Hendricks. Um, and you know it's important news when you are in Iowa and you're getting two separate texts from people about this news. Uh, a lot of White Sox fans are worried that this might be the end of Liam Hendricks' season. Um, if you missed it, Liam Hendricks is going on the 15-day IL with elbow inflammation. There is a piece up at allchgo.com from Jared Willis um, with quotes from Rick Hahn who spoke about the situation uh, to the assembled beat writers and Rick Hahn said quote Sy- symptomatically it's presenting similar to what we dealt with last year at this point we don't know if it's going to be similar path for this year he's undergoing additional examinations at this point last year uh, Hendricks went to the IL uh, for about a month with a uh, flexor, flexor strain, strain. Yeah. Um, so what do we make of this news? Obviously, we don't have a ton of information. I know Dr. Duber and Dr. Lawrence have uh, checked in and, and washed off and put on their scrubs, but, you know, I, I We're not accredited. We, I, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 we don't have the x-rays yet. You know, we're still waiting. Those x-rays take at least 24 hours or so. The,
1: uh, yeah, I think the main thing right now is you just got to sit and wait. You mentioned White Sox fans are worried about this being rather severe. Fans get worried about this kind of thing all the time. Right now, you really just have to, Hang on and, and hold on until tomorrow when the White Sox are likely to provide an update when the team starts their series out in Los Angeles. Um, but this is not good, right? I mean, this is a guy who uh, we've all been watching and waiting and, and, and cheering for. Uh, you know, even those of us who don't cheer have been wait, cheering for him to come back from, you know, the cancer uh, treatments that he had to deal with earlier this season and what a remarkable comeback he made. This obviously seems more like a run-of-the-mill baseball type of thing, but that doesn't really uh, mean that it's good news. Uh, So we'll we'll see here what happens. Obviously, when you do have that part of the arm, people start extrapolating, but I caution everybody to – not extrapolate quite yet uh, if you if you can show a little patience and wait till there is some more information um, the good news and again uh, for the White Sox uh, and again this is not necessarily a great time to be bringing this up mm. but uh, is that the bullpen has been pretty fantastic and that um, while you never want to be without your all-star caliber closer they have had pitchers pitching well enough to weather that sort of absence in the bullpen from a baseball standpoint. Um, but there is the non-baseball part of this, which is just man, this sucks for this guy to work his way back so tenaciously, get back on a big league mound in such an improbable fashion, and now here he is going to the injured list. Uh, not not long after, he's only been what? It's only been five games, I think that uh, that he has pitched since coming back. Is that is that right? Something that like right. that. I got
0: so, you. Yeah. I got you. Um, yep, five I, games, I, I and he's recorded uh, two wins and a save. Yeah, yeah.
2: I think it's might be a blessing disguised because. I, you know, the story is incredible. Like him coming back from a cancer diagnosis that was in, what, December, and him pitching in May, phenomenal. But also now give him a chance to just rest and relax and not push himself to try to be the savior of the bullpen as the bullpen has done work without him. In the month of May, they were killing, and then when he came back, he joined them in killing for the bullpen. And, yes, the two results we've had the last two games, notwithstanding – The bullpen, I believe, will be fine. They've found their groove, and I will, you know, I think Kendall Graveman and Keenan Middleton will have better days than they had yesterday, and I guarantee Joe Kelly will have a better day than he had on Saturday. But, yeah, it could be a blessing in disguise for just the person to relax, decompress, enjoy all the adulation that came his way through him coming back to pitch those five games and then rehab and do whatever you need to do to get back if you want to, or just chill out. I don't know because uh, life life is too precious for him to be worrying about, hey, I need to get back. And as we all know, he's had the tear in his UCL for years now. So this seems like uh, just part and parcel of what the treatment is for those type of injuries. And so hopefully the guy is just like, all I need to do is the little rest and recovery and come back, and I'll be fine on the other side of this. And if he does that, I'll be ready for him when he does come back. But I'm not going to worry about the player because we know he's going to attack this rehab with all his might, and he's going to come back when he's ready to come back. Herb. Yeah. Did you say Liam Hendricks is going to rest? <laughs> I, he needs My to. My friend. He needs to. He needs to just – the body's been through a lot. It's been through a lot. You, you could be, see
1: that smirk all the way yes. down at 35th Street, I, I felt think. it. I was <laughs> laughing. I felt I, it just looking in laughing. my peripherals.
2: <laughs> it's good for the body just to rest, to have some time to decompress of what you've been through. It's a lot of trauma. I agree with you. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah I, I like, know the I player mean, is not <laughs> wired like that, and that's why he came back built different. Yeah.
0: I mean, again, he's been pitching with this since 2008. Yeah. Um, like, that's the thing. We don't know enough about this specific instance. But if Rick Hahn is correct and their original and early diagnosis of uh, why they're putting him on the IL and this inflammation is correct, he should be able to return, and he pitched fine once returning. There wasn't a, a, another flare-up uh, at the you know, end of the season or anything like that. He pitched from July 4th to the end of the year. It, um, yeah, it's just that he might have been doing so with
1: cancer. That's ridiculous.
2: Absolutely ridiculous. Right. I'm that's just saying, not don't, cancer don't, of the arm.
1: Don't look, don't look back to last year and say that's the guy that's going to be on the other end no, of no, this no. because but because of, he'll probably be in in better, better shape, shape. Right. Abs- Yeah, absolutely.
0: No, 100. <laughs> um, and, and and two, like the the thing that just looking back to last year, um, obviously forearm strains and all that raise red flags. But um, Hendricks last year, and this is from uh, Daryl's piece um, when Liam hit the IL. Um, he was not concerned with it long Uh, there's been no change in my ligament and that's the good thing. There was one of the relieving parts of it. Uh, I've had a tear in my UCL since 08. It's been there. That's manageable. I've been able to deal with it, but over the course of this year, my elbow is consistently inflamed a little more than usual. The ligament hasn't changed. Nothing has changed, uh, on either other end that way. So it's a mild strain, hopefully, uh, get back out there. So if it is exactly like last year, and it's just inflammation, like he said last year, it just might need a month to settle down. I know that Rick Hahn, in the piece that Jared Poe said, based upon the fact of the number of medical professionals involved ranging from our orthopedic people to his oncologist, to rehabilitation specialists, to the number of check-ins to where he was physically along the way, this is perhaps the most thoroughly vetted return of uh, to play of any player in my certain recent memory. Like They were trying to let him ramp up the right way. But again, how do you build up somebody who is you know, returning from cancer the right way. Like, there's no playbook. Right, exactly. And and Pedro
1: was telling us that on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, so, like, it's the thing. Like, I I understand that Rick is saying that it's, you know, the the most careful and and the most, um, what, thorough that they've ever had. But, like, I'm not not saying that the White Sox did anything wrong here. Like, Liam tried to do what was best for him. And I I just think, like, we did see him go down and start this rehab assignment in Charlotte. And then it kind of stopped, kind of settled down. But we don't I don't know in I that time if maybe he was dealing with elbow inflammation, and then he started building up doing these simulated games, like the the start and the stop. I do wonder, especially with his ligament, like if the X rays are showing the the ligament's still fine, nothing's changed from the, the past year. He should be able to rest for a month. I'm just saying, like you know, hey, maybe this this strange buildup is just what caused Liam to have this inflammation buildup.
1: I would look at that more of a look look at the starting point than where it was going. Along the way, I and the reason I say that is because every update we received was not, Oh, Liam went out in Charlotte today and he wasn't feeling very good. He's got to sit around for a few days now because we, he, the, the the physical, his physical body isn't doing it. Every word that we heard from Pedro Graffold and, and Rick Hahn along the way were, He's feeling good, he's feeling fine. It was a matter of the results being there, it was a matter of the The pitches being where he wanted them to be, the the level of baseball performance, Um, and so the reason that that rehab looked weird, a like you said, there's (laughs) no playbook, there's no there's no script at all. It was always going to look weird regardless of what it was because it was one of the first times that anybody's ever attempted this, but. The reason that it looked weird was because he went down to Charlotte and he wasn't getting the results that he was looking for. And I'm not talking even just box score results. I'm talking when he threw, the the pitches weren't doing what he thought they needed to be doing. And you've even seen that a little bit since he's returned. The velocity has not been where we're used to seeing it from Liam Hendricks and that sort of thing. As he's as he went along there after that very first outing, it got more. He looked more like himself, more like himself. But that was the conversation point. It was never, "Well, my arm doesn't feel very good. We'll see what it, see how it feels after I throw two days from now." Kind of thing. So, um, I I know people because of the way that injuries have plagued this team over the last few years. I know people want to jump on. Oh, the White Sox must have done something wrong. I don't think that's the the case. I would go back to the starting point. The biggest one of those being. This was a guy coming back from cancer treatment, and you have no idea what that's going to end up looking like. But B, this is this was his spring training. He did not have spring training. So his spring training was the rehab assignment at Charlotte and the, and the work that he did after rejoining the White Sox. Anybody who's going to have a spring training condensed into that short amount of time after they weren't able to do their usual routine during the offseason, Exhibit A, Lance Lynn from last year, is going to have – Uh, the potential for things to not go the way they're supposed to go, whether that's from a results standpoint like I was just talking about or from a health standpoint
0: like this. Well, and even Herb, too. Like, we saw people who had a normal spring training, like Yohan Mankata, have it kind of start and stop as well. Like, after Yohan returned from the World Baseball Classic, they gave him some time off after he came back, I think played a game and... You know, I, I think that was when maybe he started dealing with some of the back issues that we have seen now during 2023. Um, But, like, you know, even the thing is, like, you know, his spring training wasn't normal. It wasn't spring training with everybody else. Like, I don't know what you guys have made of, because you had, you know, a show yesterday to kind mm-hmm. of digest. Like, you know, what are you making of this Hendricks situation? And, two, um, I think one of the last shows we remarked that, what, Liam Hendricks could have pitched in, like, four straight games for the White Sox just with all the off days and cancellations. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe it's just the increased workload in June since he's returned.
2: We really spoke about what's next though. Like, yeah, Liam's going to be gone. So who steps up? And it was a bad time to do that because of the blown saves in the two days that Liam did not pitch. And we were like, okay, before Liam got back here at the end of May, these guys were dealing, these guys were doing the job that they were paid for. Uh, Kendall Graveman, even though he blew a save yesterday, I would still trust him in the ninth inning with the ball tomorrow in, in L.A. I would trust him because he's been pretty good this year. And Joe Kelly with the blip on Saturday, I think he's much better pitcher than what he showed on Saturday. So I think the team as a whole, and in the bullpen itself, I think they'll be fine. It's always good to have one of the best relievers in the game to be in the back end, it set you up in the correct way. We saw that happen when he got his first save of the year. But for the rest of the players, I think they're just going to be like, hey, we're going to act like we did at the beginning of the year when we knew Liam wasn't here. Yeah, we possibly can come back, but we're going to act like he's not going to come back and do our jobs as uh, Pedro Gouffal and, and um, Ethan Katz put us in the position to do it. And I am i won't have a hesitation if they put Keenan Milton back in the eighth inning, if they put Gregory Santos in some late-inning situations, and Joe Kelly back in there. I think the team, as a bullpen unit, will be fine. They'll be all right, as they were the best unit from a, a certain point until Liam and- – even past when Liam came back, they were one of the best uh, units yeah. in the game. So, I think they'll be fine.
0: Fantastic in all of May. And he only pitched in one game uh, on May 29th in May. Um, you know, we talked about that in one of the last off-day shows. Is, uh, they've been able to hold it down because they've been doing the closer by committee. Um, obviously, didn't work on Sunday. But, yeah. again, I like the offense to score more runs. How many home runs did they hit this up this weekend? Vaughn hit one? Two. Uh, Yasmani and Vaughn. And then like, did they oh, hit Robert? home Yeah, yesterday. yesterday.
2: 15th. It's 15th. Oh, okay. So, three. Seven, I think. Uh, was like ten in the month of June. Nine games. Bad. No, not bad at all. Not bad. They had that four home run game that helped them out.
0: We'll see. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll let you know about some of our great sponsors, and then we'll talk about the expectations for this team. Because, as Herb said, they are 29-38, and 38, but four and a half games back. We have some mailbag questions to open up and talk about. More bullpen talk as well. Um, but let's jump in to the game time read and let you know that if you are looking to go to a White Sox game, maybe you're in LA. Maybe you're gonna go see them at Chavez Ravine. Check out game time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Maybe you're traveling to LA, you're probably already stressing about the hotel. Mm-hmm. Traveling, I've heard tra- bad, bad things about traffic. At, at LA, I don't. I don't know if you guys have heard You've anything heard about this. You've heard whispers. Yeah, you ever, you ever hear about the parking lot? You've heard Chief it through Azerbaijan? the
1: grapevine that there's some traffic in Los Angeles, <laughs> California. Hey, folks, it's
0: just just a heads up. Uh, but it's because they don't have a public
2: transportation, or at least a reliable public transportation out there.
0: They should figure that out. They won't. Um, mm, oof. Uh, Buying tickets though to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Uh, game time. You're already stressing about trying to. I mean, I'm assuming we're talking directly to the uh, uh, director of transportation. Uh, of the city of Los Angeles. So he's probably stressing Big out job. about yeah. you know, public transit. Um, so don't stress about tickets, uh, dear sir or ma'am or person. Uh, Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. And they have flash-minute deals and last-minute tickets. So if you are just trying to figure out to do something tonight, just go check out GameTime. Maybe they got something last-minute to do for fun, and you can just tickets and there was there was a line outside way. the salt shed as i was coming up elston
1: oh today today oh yeah
0: do you um, know what they were lined up cuz i saw yesterday I believe it is uh king gizzard the, i saw people yeah. lined up yesterday for king gizzard lined up outside I, i'm driving
1: up elston getting trying or down elston trying to get to the, uh, the to the studios over here there was a line line outside the salt, set, have salt you, shed
0: have you heard about his lizard wizard i literally heard
2: about this person today, where Studs Adam Sadzinski told me is going to the concert tonight.
0: They're they're a band, and yeah. uh they're they're very uh, synonymous for uh, their output. I believe in twenty twenty one or maybe uh, twenty twenty, uh, they put out five albums in a year. That's too much. That's safe. Well, not they, if you're a fan. Oh, <laughs> they got an audience too. So shout out. Uh, forget out. planning in months in advance when you want to go to the King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard concert. Uh, Go to wow, Game You Time. said it all together. I hope so. Uh Snag the Tickets Without the Stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code CHGO for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CHGO for twenty dollars off. There's so many beautiful venues in Chicago if you are checking out music. So definitely uh maybe try to check them all out this year. Go, go to the Salt And shed. lizard wizard king That's gizzard it? and the lizard wizard okay yeah uh terms apply again create an account and redeem code CHGO for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed sean the comment energy efficiency program is committed to helping families and businesses
2: in the communities they serve helping manage energy usage and lower energy bills now and into the future Vinny,
1: herb you're right ComEd offers a wide variety of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across the territory. ComEd also offers free facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities, like those for HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. How does that work, Vinny? Well, I'm glad you asked her because I have that information right here for you. An authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. These can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours. Within three to four weeks, customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can start working on immediately. Each each recommendation will include estimated energy savings, cost savings, project costs, potential incentives, and simple payback. If you, Herb, or any of the listeners out there own a business, you should not wait. Here's the CTA. It's highlighted right here. It's Chicago Transit Authority. Get started saving money and energy today. For energy-saving tips, lighting incentives, or to schedule your free facility assessment, go to comed.com slash poweringbiz. They want me to ask you, did
2: you say comed.com slash poweringbiz?
1: Well, it's not like they asked you to ask a question that I do not have the answer for. I do have the answer for that question. And yes, I did say that. Schedule it today. I just want
2: the people to know that I am not hearing impaired yet.
0: Do you know what the biz stands for? Business, business, busy.
2: Um, also, no, sorry, I can't spell.
0: Folks, um, showbiz. It stands for
1: showbiz, doesn't it? Yes, showbiz. Yeah, uh, you uh, know, who uh, know who knows
0: showbiz? King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. And I just, I just want to bring this up real quick. Uh, I, I was uh, in college in 2015. Um, Congrats! Thank you. Uh, but it's just important because I worked at a college radio station, and that's why I was introduced to King Gizzard and the Lizard. Gotcha. Which probably no other reason why I'd ever hear for, of this band. Uh, the first uh, album I covered of them, Paper Mache Dream Balloon, released in 2015. How many albums have they released since?
2: So you said five in the 2020
0: year. I, I was I was wrong. I was wrong about that that stat. But it's it's that's it's I'll say it's twelve. Up. Higher.
1: much higher Golly. i'll say somewhere in the 30 to 40 region
0: it, herb was closer oh, okay. it, you, you hurt you 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 busted uh herb is one of the showda- showcases it, it is it is 15 mm. um so your your showcases you get to listen to all 15 of the king gizzard and the lizard wizard i Rizzards. guarantee
2: it's better than tusk
0: um <laughs> uh, not all of them i mean non and god and not not a god all right we're not even gonna do this anyways it's fine uh <laughs> Kevin, just a heads up in segment three, there's a message in Slack. Uh, we're going to do that right at the end. You don't have to worry about it right now. Just click on that website screen, share it. We'll be all good and dandy. What if right, I uh, don't click on it. Then we won't have a third segment. <laughs> um, right. wow. let's jump into the, uh, mailbag here. Uh, and first off, it's, it's kind of herb with the, with the mailbag question. Uh, Andrew brings Yay. us up expectations, 70 to 75 wins, unless we offload guys with value who won't be around this team, uh, that can make the next playoffs, um, and millennioid in the uh, CHGO Diehard mailbag. You could join that at allchgo.com and sign up to be a Diehard today. You get a free t-shirt and a lovely, lovely box that welcomes you with some stickers, some swag, uh, a nice membership card, and access to our CHGO Discord. But uh, it definitely begs the question of what it will take to overtake the AL Central, given how underperforming everyone is. Everyone's underperforming, but since April 30th, the White Sox are the only team above 500. I mean, seeing them lose two of three to the Red Hot Marlins. Is it that big of a sting? Again, you, you got two of three from the Yankees, so you're 500 during this tough 18-game stretch as long as you keep it 500, right? I mean, that was that was where you were last year.
2: Yes, and that's how you have to rationalize these uh, White Sox season. And the reason I ask, Sean, is because my expectations of the White Sox in this year is that they compete for the World Series because that's their expectations but now it's june 12th we have to gear down what we expect because if you're expecting this team to get to the world series you're gonna fall short for probably 99 percent of the results but you need to say okay where do i see this team realistically at the end of the year that i'll say yeah that was a good year for what that was at the at the june 12th mark i would say Winning this division, clear, like not just hey you won on the last day, like four or five games clear. Winning this division would be a good season. And yes, if you would have told somebody at the beginning of the Yankees series, hey, next week on Monday you're gonna go three and three versus these teams, would you take that? I think every White Sox fans would jump up and say yes. Those are tough teams. The Marlins went right before they came here, I think won five in a row or six in a row and now they're really hot after two comeback victories over the White Sox. And, yeah, you had leads in each one of those games. So White Sox fans could look at that and say, we should have swept and looked at that as we failed. And yesterday was a demoralizing loss. But 3-3, three and 6-3 three, and three to start the month of June where you're facing really tough teams. I would think that coming out of this month with three games in hand over 500, if you can finish this month at 500 – playing the teams that you play with the two multiple with the multiple uh trips out to the west coast I think that's a win if the White Sox somehow maintain this and keep a 500 record in the month of June I think
0: you're starting yourself off to be a good year and this is why Rick Hahn last time he talked about the deadline it was kind of up in the air and we said well we'll see what happens with July 4th if the White Sox are three and a half games uh back uh, or less Um, you're shaving your beard I'm shaving my eyebrows Mm -hmm. you know we'll we'll, we'll figure this out but I even think at the last off day show Vinny you brought up like when was the last time they were even this close to being uh, at first place at the division April 22nd four games back and then they uh, started losing a ton um, to the uh, Rays and Blue Jays but then uh, June 6th they finally got back to under Five games back of uh, the division, and now you know they're staying there uh, since June 6th uh, They're four and a half games back. Uh, even got you three and a half games back uh, on the ninth. So I mean, it is still early. I know we said that a lot last year, but like this kind of season, and you said
1: and, it, not me. People have to I, yell at you now, not me. I,
0: I know, but hey, you could also yell at the AL Central. This is a historically disgusting division. I mean, how do you spend three hundred and eighty-five million dollars on the team in the past two years and not win this division clear? Like Herb saying, like it, it's it's been surprising, but still there for the taking. I mean, they, they, you know, I mean, they could just be the only team that learns how to walk this year. Well, I mean, yeah,
1: and, and listen, these these are two separate questions in my <laughs> mind. I mean, like the, you know, the adjusted expectations for this team. The reason we have we have expectations for a team at the beginning of the year is mostly based on how we what we think is going to happen, you take a look at at the team they've assembled on paper, maybe you've got some good feelings about guys. you like what they did to end the year previous. you look ahead we th- I think we think they're going to do x, y, and Z now you've got two and a half months worth of data mm-hmm. to reset your expectations with, right? And so should you expect this team to be any different than what you've seen, I'll even be generous and say the last month and a half, right because let's say let's say that April was particularly off course and that they have recalibrated to be the team that they've been for the last month and a half. New manager jitters. That is still not a very good team when you look at it compared to the rest of the league. So should they be expected to make the World Series or a deep playoff run? I, I would say from what we've seen over two and a half months, absolutely not. Doesn't mean it's not possible, but no, you should not be expecting that. What should you expect them to do is probably play the way they have the last month and a half, right? Be a team that probably could win the division. A team that should compete for the division title if the remainder of the four teams in the AL Central stay as bad as they have been for the first two and a half months of this season. What is this team capable of doing? Being better than that. Yes. This team is capable of, I would say, easily being the best team in this division because this division has been very bad. If they play just... Slightly better than they have for the first two and a half months of the season, they should be the team, the best team in this division, win it, and make the playoffs. Then we move on to the question that you asked Herb: What would you consider a good season after the two and a half months of data that we have here? And uh, certainly, the answer is making the playoffs. And the only reason, the only way they're probably going to make the playoffs is by winning this division. So, winning the division would be considered a good season based on where they are. But I will add a little bit to that and say last year was the 122nd season of White Sox baseball. Mm-hmm. They have made the playoffs 11 times. In 122 years, they've made the playoffs 11 times. You good. said it, not me. That's not good. It's not good. But the point then should be that if they were to make it a 12th in year 123, mm-hmm. that's, that's worth a thumbs up. That's worth. That's that's worth. If you are a White Sox fan, that's worth being happy about. it doesn't Here, mean it doesn't mean that you should settle for that. Yeah. But it's worth being happy about, particularly after you watch them go seven and twenty-one in their first twenty-eight. This games. is the golden age of White Sox baseball. <laughs> I have.
0: I, it is. I, I've watched the. Um, I'm a, we're a loyal. Uh, watchers of the NBC Sports Chicago broadcast. Obviously, we're watching every single game, so we know that the worst record of a division winner, eighty-two and eighty. If the White Sox, I didn't mean to touch not your good. leg there. If the White Sox win the division with a record of 82 and 80 with the preseason expectations, with the It's different. It's a different okay, question. But but, but so, so if the White Sox win the AL Central yep. at this point, mm-hmm. would you grade their season to be an A? No. Is it is I'd it say a B was automatically a, I'd with say, the winning the AL Central?
1: <laughs> I'd say it was an I'd say it was an A from this point on. A on a curve? Well, not even that. An A from this point on, right? Kind yeah. of thing. Like because what mm-hmm. they did or what they, what they have done to this point, is dramatically fail to live up to anyone's reasonable expectations for them. Mm-hmm. Because last year, they finished 500, and it was woeful. It was how in the world did this team with all this talent that was supposed to run away with the AL Central, how in the world, how in God's name did they finish 500? They are nine games under five hundred right now. They are nine games worse from what Rick Hahn stood up and told us at the end of the year was the most disappointing season that anyone in that front office had ever lived through. Those, those, that's that's that is high statement, right? That is a lot. That is a lot to live up to. They have been nine games worse than that to this point. So. No, they have not come close to meeting preseason expectations, which is why you need to recalibrate it and figure out exactly what you said, Herb. What makes a good season at this point? It's very much a qualifier. It's very much a where do they go from here? And if they can win this division and make the playoffs from here, then good on them. And and that is worth I think that is worth for White Sox fans being happy about. Does it mean you give them a good grade a, a high fly high marks flying colors? Oh my god, look what they did. Look what this team can do. They're the talk of the town. <laughs> Absolutely not. But it is it is some sort of accomplishment and in the scheme of I bring that up because in the scheme of this franchise history, you shouldn't be turning your nose up at a playoff appearance. Not that you should be settling for it, uh-uh. but you shouldn't be like uh they only made the playoffs. This team has hardly ever made the playoffs. Yeah. So,
2: so an A is completely out of the question. Then for the like, again, it depends on what win the World Series. It depends on, no. what, gra- it depends on okay. what grade. You, it
1: depends on what hey. how you're scaling. How you're it depends on what scale you're grading them on. Okay, and See. if you're basing it on what we all were looking forward to, this team being able to do in spring training, God no. Because they might win the, they might finish five hundred again, which is exactly what they did last year when it was the end of the world hey, for most people. M- maybe they get hot <laughs> as hell
0: and they win ninety three games. It's not out of the question Ooh, mathematically. They say, not, okay not. I'm you're not trying us. to talk. No, I'm right. not trying to talk crazy. Like, <laughs> is an A possible, Kevin? Yes, but at this point, we've seen what this team is. They'll be lucky to win the AL Central, and if they do that, that's at least making the playoffs in in this sad baseball town. Not even just White Sox or Cubs specific. Just this entire town from a. Success level has underperformed outside of like six years in the '90s. That one time in 1985, and then, then two times in, in the 2000s. All right. Well, I think I think Alex phrases it very well. If
1: they make the playoffs, Sox fans will have gotten to watch some pretty good baseball for the rest of the summer, and that's true. Yeah, I, I think I think that's true, and and I don't think that that's impossible. But I guess here's the point. It's like we're looking well, at we're looking at it right now as like, well, they're going to be mediocre to bad the rest of the year. But hey, maybe they'll make the playoffs. They're going to have to be a little bit better than. Mediocre to bad. <laughs> it's war of attrition.
0: I mean, right now, I mean, I think they are probably six games under, six games over five hundred since April thirtieth. They're the only team in the AL Central uh, above five hundred since that mark. Has the baseball we've seen since April thirtieth been pretty good? You know, I mean, right now they're above five hundred. They're just right, again, but like they're still good nine. They're still nine games under five hundred. I don't think
2: the baseball has been pretty good. It's been better than it was. Let's say that um, pitching has been spectacular since that time, but the offense has still been struggling mightily from time to time. But bare minimum of any team, I think, is to make the playoffs, especially the White Sox in this division. But I know people are like, oh, Herb, you're going to be saying uh, you're happy that they didn't make the playoffs? Yes. As Vinny pointed out, we haven't seen a lot of playoffs in our lifetime. And when we do see playoffs, Larry Garcia hits home
1: runs. That place was electric. Oh. That's the highest – I've ever seen that play go. You could be a 125-year-old man and say you haven't seen a lot of playoffs in your lifetime. Exactly. (laughs) And so when that happens, if the White Sox were to clinch here, you'll see me cheering. You'll see me
2: happy. You'll see me ecstatic. Does that mean that I was like, oh, man, Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, this is all good. Pedro Gafal, man, we're all good. No, I'm not going to wipe that away. But the season for that point would be not a success, but I think the
0: season would be, quote, unquote, a good season if they win this division. At the end of the day, you and I are meatballs. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I remember very vividly, Working with you in the score side studio mm-hmm. on that little TV, watching Luis Robert in that nasty, uh, 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 what's, that? Al, Al what's that, the, Davis, uh, the Al Davis Dome, well, what's the Davis... The What's the... Oh Mount, Davis. oh, Mount Davis. Mount Davis, <laughs> thank you. Uh, watch it. Watching Luis Robert just hit a 480-foot home run off Mike Hite. Fires into the, the depths of Mount Davis, and I just biking my headphones down into the ground. They lost that series, but that was one incredible moment. And yeah. like, hey, I would love for incredible postseason moments because yeah. all of those at-bats mean a lot more. And if Luis Roberts hitting 15 home runs in the regular season and he's able to play 150, 140-plus games, I would love to see what he can do in the postseason because if he sees a fastball, he might be able to hit three home runs in a season or a, a three home runs in a game. And if Luis Robert hits three home runs in a postseason game, I'll never shut up about it. And what we've seen from Tim Anderson is, when he plays in the postseason,
2: what he started his career off, nine for nine, just on fire. Mm-hmm. And he had a pretty good time in uh, versus the Houston Astros too. So that's half the reason why, you know, Tim's struggling right now. I give him a little pause. I give him a little grace because I've seen the greatness of Tim Anderson. I've seen the, the highest of highs for Tim Anderson. I know that player is still in there, but I just don't know how to unlock it. So, yes, get to the playoffs. Anything can happen. I know people say that all the time. Do you not believe that this team gets to the playoffs and another team
0: sees them is like, I don't really want to face that team because they are they have nothing to lose? It, de- it depends on what they're doing at the deadline, uh, if they're buying, if they're selling, and what this team truly looks like uh, if, if we have a lot of faith. we got more uh, mailbag questions that kind of lead into that, so let's get into that. We do have a super chat, though, from our guy, Ellie, um, saying, uh, right now I'm employed. How can I got a job at CFGO if I watch at 3 and, and 2 in the morning? Uh I should get a job. Hey, Ellie, you're passionate. Interesting I
1: mean, way to lead off the resume. It, exactly. I watch, I watch the show at two in the morning. Hey, <laughs> we, we, we appreciate, we know it, his Ellie. name. <laughs> 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 we
0: appreciate your passion, Ellie. Uh, but, uh, other Sean saying, uh, if, uh, uh, wait, no, uh, we'll go to that one later. Um, cause I got a little bit more. Um, no at none, which I believe is our guy Clark, uh, saying if the socks are close and end up buying at the trade deadline, what is most li- what is the most likely position to upgrade? Uh, will it have to be r- via Rick's bargain bin? Um, the socks don't have a ton of depth when it comes to prospects, um, so I don't know about the value of a buy and how important or significant it will be. But again, with this expectations, with a team that just needs to win the division, what position needs the most help because at this point again you're just trying to drag the body across the finish line because as long as you do that before all the other teams you win
1: I th- Sox- oh go ahead Herb.
2: I think the most important position for the White Sox is another starting pitcher like they don't hit a lot but I don't see anybody coming in here that they have the inventory on their team for that can trade to get this person that's supposed to come here and hit a lot.
0: Well, could they flip? Could they do like a flip of a the Lance Lynn and Dane Dunning thing like they give no. like Lucas Giolito being that Lance Lynn like here's here's a, a finishing piece to your rotation for a, a bigger playoff team. You know, one of these bigger fishes like the Yankees or, or Dodgers or whatever and give us a, a Clark Schmidt, a guy who barely is making into your rotation, but was a former top prospect and maybe we'll give him the starts and against the bad AL Central, he'll be able to do decent just like Davis Martin. Did. You're no. saying this is a situation where the White Sox would be
1: buying they would yeah. be getting rid it'd of be like, their best be player? Like swapping <laughs> right, but we've swapping I'm a starting to...
0: pitcher for a starting pitcher
2: that they don't necessarily like Dane Dunning wasn't ready for prime time uh, they by their estimation after the 2020 season they needed a guy that was top of the rotation like Lance Slyn. I get what you're saying but I don't know why that team would do that I don't see why the White Sox. Why why would the Sox do that? Well, I mean, the
0: the rumors are that, I mean, what we've heard is that the White Sox really aren't interested in bringing Lucas Giolito back. So are you going to let him walk for nothing? Is it going to be the qualifying offer? That's
1: not buying. Okay, but If they, you're trying to win this, this, this year, then why are you getting rid of your best pitcher? I,
0: I, I don't know. We've heard from Bob Nightingale that no matter where the White Sox are, if they're winning in the AL Central We're or not, that Bob. they're going to be trading Lucas And that's, what, and that's why my
1: up. reaction to that was, well, that seems very strange, because what if they're good and Lucas Gilito is helping them win? <laughs> I, I,
0: I, again, like, the, Luis Robert's the most important part. Like, if Lucas Gilito walks out that door, like, as long as Luis Robert's there, he's playing every single day, that's the most important part. You need somebody to eat innings. You're in the bad AL Central. Yeah. Again, but, like... Then if this that is selling. That's not buying. Yeah, it, I don't know if it's it's selling again. Like, what do the White Sox have to offer? Like, can well, the White here's Sox here's what go I was going say, to say. Here, here's Colson Montgomery. Here's our best thing that we've he's had injured. in our farm system since he's injured yeah. too. But like, still, but like, even then, I mean, they trade Nick Madrigal. Like, here's the best thing that we've had, in, you know, since Andrew Vaughn, basically.
1: My answer to that question was going to be, I don't know if Sox fans are going to like to hear this, but you say, well, where should they be upgrading? The guys who are. The, the the positions right now that are of greatest concern from a statistical standpoint, right, are what shortstop and left field. I mean, like the guys who are not playing the n- guys who are not playing well right now. Left field are their quote unquote star players.
0: Right. Yeah, but my point is they're not benching that guy. No, I know.
1: And right. So you're not going to go out and get you're not going to go out and be like, "Oh well, you know where the White Sox could really upgrade. I'm doing the blind resume here. Sure looks like their shortstop production hasn't been very good. Oh wait, we're not going to bench Tim Anderson to bring in somebody else." And then on top of all of that is what you're saying, which is, "Well, who in the world are they giving up to get this, you know, big trade deadline acquisition?" So I think that um there's not going to I don't I don't know if I don't know if they can buy. You know what I mean? They may, they might add a reliever. They might add a, a starter, like you said, her. But like, maybe that's why the, I bring
0: up Lucas is just because like I don't know if they can buy. So that's the that's maybe the maybe thing that the, maybe the two
1: maybe the two roads we've been talking about all the roads they could go down at the trade deadline. Maybe it's not buy and sell. Maybe it's sell or don't sell. Kind of thing, just, you know. Yeah,
2: just hang and stay.
1: Because even I mean, where do you, Herb? Where would you look on the on like from a position player standpoint? We know that the offense is what has been the, the biggest problem for this team. Where yeah. do you look from a position player standpoint and go, oh, well, we can we can sit that guy down and plug in another guy
0: there. Yeah. Herb, can you phone a friend? Uh, Sean, okay. Uh, Vinny, to answer your question, um, I, there's two positions that the White Sox have been uh, historically bad at for like the past four years: um, second base, where they're 29th and F four in 2023, and uh, right field, where they're 30th and F four this year. But I they mean, got like, guys. I know, but like, if you're, if you're have, gonna go, do they trade? have a guy right now at second base? I know romy has been a little second bit hot, is, but like do second we trust base, him?
1: sure, I'll I'll take second base for you there. That's that's fine. That's a reasonable answer, but but right field, I mean, like I know everybody hates Aloy playing right
0: field, but if Aloy doesn't play right field, then Jake Berger's not playing. <laughs> I mean, Moncada hasn't been great. I mean, like I feel like they can be more creative with cycling these guys in. Like, I mean you gonna sit down,
1: Johan Moncada? You know, are gonna bench him for a new third baseman for a guy who's hitting 13 home runs? I would. Or I how mean, many,
2: Jake it's, not, has, Sean, I, it's not happening. I get what you're saying, Sean. <laughs> and are and trying I get, to win games? I yeah. mean, like, Yohann Moncada
0: is probably better if he's playing four days a week than, you know, six. I think like, I, he, he deserves, I, I think he needs more rest. I know it's, it's not, not happening because they paid him $75 million, but y- you got to win games. And, like, maybe Yohann is DH, and then Jake Berger plays third base, and then Aloy's in right field. Like, I'm just saying. But that there still plugs be, up right field. <laughs> right, I mean, no, I know, but, uh, that, but then maybe that's a day where, uh, you know, Aloy gets the day off. I'm just saying, like, I, I just think Yohan getting more rest shouldn't be out of the question because no, he he hasn't been performing well since he came back. Well, but I'm also
2: thinking, why play like, him? the White Sox, if their front office is looking at their players, they probably got four players that have been forming either at the level or above the level that they expected. Luis Robert, Jake Berger, maybe you could put Gavin Sheets in there, and then Lucas Giolito. And that might be it. And they could say, hey.
0: And we then the bullpen. Do you yeah. trade Jake yeah. Berger?
2: We have, I mean, I, I would trade Jake Berger in a second, yes. I would. Like That would be your most valuable he's trade. He's your
0: second-best hitter.
2: He is. On a team that can't hit. I mean, you won't exactly. bench him
0: for Yon Mankata? If he's the second-best hitter, I'm not. I'm, yeah, that's what I'm yeah, yeah, right. saying. Yeah. <laughs> yo, I would get hate looked to at trade sideways. Jake Berger.
2: But <laughs> that play, that's the type of player that you – trade because he's having uh outlier season where you weren't expecting this because you sent him to the minor leagues at the beginning of the year so if he's having the 12 13 home runs and being uh nominated for the all-star game maybe somebody else sees that and it's like okay i want it yeah. before he you know turns into a pumpkin and becomes the jake burger that was before this well which is still good but i don't know if that's a everyday major league player that plays third base. It
0: is. I don't know if he plays third base, but, like, the DH is a position. Yes. And I know that that's where Aloy plays, so I'm not saying specific for the White Sox. But Jake Berger, at this point, I I know I'm not a GM. I host a podcast. But if I was one of the 30 GMs and I needed somebody to hit home runs, I would be calling the White Sox about Jake Berger. Do you know what his barrel percentages were last year? Exactly what they are this year. He was doing this last year. Yeah. This this guy was a former first-round pick. Like, He's hitting in the major leagues. Give him 600 plate appearances, 500 plate appearances in a in a, in a year and see what he does. But they like, don't. I mean, he could be a Mike Moustakis-type player. They don't, but, like, some team does. Like, go look at the Oakland A's. That, they've made a living on being like, oh, you don't want that player. We see value in him. Here's Jake Berger hitting 30 home runs in, in Mount Davis. And this is
2: why you trade or you entertain trading Lucas Giolito or Jake Berger or any player on the White Sox because tell me the teams who are going to be – out of it, Oakland A's, even though they've won, like, five in a row, the Kansas City Royals. The Nationals. It. The Rockies. The mm, Rockies are still there. So no. Are, they? are they're, they? They're close are they? Is, is KB healthy? No, he's never healthy. But, like, five teams. Those are the five right. teams that are going to be selling off. Everybody else is going to be looking to gather other players. Everybody in the NL Central, for the most part, is going to be looking to gather players. Same thing with the AL Central. Even though Detroit lost all those games, haven't won a game in June, they're only five and a half games out. I guarantee if you're getting a better price on Jake Berger this year than you would get a Jake Berger last year, maybe even in the future because of all the teams bidding for the service. like, oh, you got Jake Berger on the market? He can play our third base or he can play first base or he can play designated hitter for us, and we'll give you this guy who is better than what we expect Jake Berger to be but he's still not there. It's kind of like the Lance Lynn Dan Dunning thing, where eventually the player that the White Sox get becomes better than Jake Berger, even though Jake Berger's not that long of a tooth like Lance is right now.
0: Um, since Johan has returned from the IL since May 12th, uh, an OPS of 557 strikeout uh, 29 strikeouts to six walks an OBP of 262 Jake Berger since that time an OBP of 284 not much better but again when he hits the ball it goes far a uh, selecting percentage of 553 making his OPS 837 um, I think he's just so important to this lineup he's your second best hitter I, I mean, understand this, you're you're you're, you're, under, you're gawking at the Yolan thing but like the, the core I'm just telling you it's unrealistic Given, the way, that this,
1: given yeah. the way that the lineup is constructed on a daily basis. It's not going to happen. Tim Anderson's not going to, they're not going to bench Tim Anderson.
0: I, I'm not saying bench they're Tim Anderson. They're not going to bench Andrew saying, Benintendi. I, I'm not saying bench either of those guys. I'm saying, I mean, those guys are, are, seem to be healthy-ish. I mean, Benintendi. T.A.? Benintendi does. Yeah, Benintendi's healthy. Yeah, so, yeah, sure, I yeah. mean, like, I mean, he, I'm not saying bench him. I mean, again, he gives you professional at-bats. He plays professional defense. Who doesn't love that?
1: We're having a conversation. You're just sliding in digs. We don't we don't need that. We can keep going. We can keep talking. <laughs> I
0: love you, it. I, I gotta say you,
1: you brought it yeah, up. I was to say
0: you brought it up. You brought and he's like, I on. was I was not trying the to doors bring open. I, but I wasn't trying to bring up an attendee. All I'm saying is just Mankata with, with this certain <laughs> issue with the back injury, it's just it is concerning and he has not been the same player since he's hit the IL. So maybe if they are a little bit more creative, hey, you're gonna play every other day. I, it's not really a benching, it's more of a managing of Yoan Mankata because it doesn't seem like playing every day is good for his back. So that, that's all I'm saying. It's just I, I don't understand if Yohan can keep going at this pace. I think that something might happen, and maybe that just, again, leaves the door open for Jake Berger to get more playing time. Mankata, um, had, a, Mankata had a pretty good weekend defensively, though, I'd say. A couple of really nice plays out there. But you're right, what are you mm-hmm. giving up if you put Berger in there? I know that that's Yeah, I never worry about Mankata with the glove. But I mean, again, hasn't been able to walk and just had four strikeouts in the, in oh, the last game. that's so yes, just bad. I mean, the,
1: the this this entire lineup though is dealing with the same problems. I mean, because what I I think I read there's no there's not anybody on the team who has a on base percentage over 340. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah Benintendi ben is 340. with 341. Oh, 341. Yes. Okay. So no, 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 one no player hey, on the team.
0: Watch your mouth, professional at bats here. <laughs> I know what you're doing. It's career at bat. I Bad. know what you're doing. I'm not trying to do anything. I'm not trying to do a single thing. Uh, take on the sun with gear built <laughs> to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered. Put on for- our Shady Rays so we the- can't so the viewers can't see us rolling our eyes at Sean. <laughs> when I myself am being shady. Uh, <laughs> our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. They have durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures, and that's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection program in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses backed by loss and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us that they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. You can wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. I looked very slick in my Shady Rays when I was a part of uh, a wedding party today, uh, or not today, uh, on Saturday. So uh, you Wow, know.
1: one of the Monday morning weddings that I keep oh, hearing I about. I love them.
0: <laughs> very very timely. I'm going to uh, do one of those. <laughs> Monday very morning? Cheap, yeah. Yeah, that or... Uh, you get a good
1: deal on a Monday morning.
0: What I, what I would recommend is... Uh, like Friday at like 4 p.m. That wouldn't cause any problems to your guests at all. Maybe even like trying to get there. 30. You mean? Yeah. 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 No, yeah. there's not a thing called rush hour. Yeah. Jane Wid- Wideland, uh, never sung a song about that, folks. Uh, But anyways, if you don't love your Shade race, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. Exclusive for our listeners, Shade race are giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadeRays.com and use code CHGO for 50 percent off two plus pairs of polarized shades. Try for yourself. The shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Also want to let you know about Foco. Um, Vinny, I know you had the day off yesterday because it was your birthday. Uh, You can get fitted in the best sports gear around. That's where we got Mm -hmm. the Southpaw bobblehead. They donated the Southpaw and the TA bobblehead to our set decorations. You can find hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. And since it is spring and baseball season, uh, you can find Aloha shirts, similar to the, the one that's in front of us. Not that exact one. That was a giveaway. But you can find Aloha Hawaiian print shirts, straw hats, polos, bags, everything you need for a game. Check out foco.com F O F-O-C-O, C O or click the link in the description below for online presale items, just the promo code CHGO for 10% off.
2: I think uh Steven Nicholas, who our usual producer, said earlier that uh isn't it a coincidence that Vinny was off yesterday and it was Southpaw's birthday? I don't think it was. Mm. I don't really think it was a coincidence at all. And Miss Met showing up again. Hmm. Not beating the rumors. Where's Mr. Met? As uh Janice said. Mercy. Mm. Not beating the rumors about the the affair that's going on
0: with uh, Southpaw and Mrs. Matt. We don't we don't cover any personal issues here on this podcast. So sorry. You know, sorry just, for spreading these rumors. It, it, sorry, Southpaw. No, none of that, is, none, right, none right. of that is sourced. Vinny can't Vinny can't talk about that. Um we did let, get let's, a super let, chat here
2: from Alex. Yeah, let's uh, go to a
0: Super approach, Chat okay. from Alex. Uh what about trading Vaughn and putting Burger at first base? My biggest thing with this is again, like talking about Yuan, I don't think he's healthy enough to give this team what they need. I know that Vaughn has been underperforming because everyone's underperforming on this team, but his weighted run I don't know if that needed air quotes. I was about to say, yeah, he's underperforming. His, his weighted runs created pluses at one one eleven. Uh the the average for a first baseman's one seventeen. Like I mean compared to the, the the rest of the team, I don't know if he's underperforming well, he's as much the as worst. other players. No, sure. Right. Yeah. No, I'm I'm just saying like what he has been able to do, what Benintendi's been able to do, what Robert's been able to do, um what Jake Berger has been able to do when he's in the lineup is play. Like, they, they're, they're really not dealing with any injuries. So, if you are going to be moving on from somebody, I wouldn't move on from Andrew Vaughn. I know that he's had injury issues in the past. A lot of these White Sox players have. Um, but Berger, Vaughn, Robert, Benintendi provide something of value, which is playing a lot and playing every single day. Keep those guys. The White Sox don't have a lot of those guys. See, yeah. that, that's what, that's what I'm thinking, though. The,
2: I know it would be hard for the White Sox because they drafted him early in the draft to trade a guy like Vaughn because, you know, you've grown accustomed. You think he is one way, but he hasn't shown in his year and a half of being a professional that he is that guy yet. You could have patience, which I think the White Sox will, and they won't probably entertain a trade with Andrew Vaughn. But I think that is not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing to look into. Maybe somebody else can unlock Andrew Vaughn, and you get something where that player like um, Rick Hahn had a infatuation with Andrew Benintendi seven years prior so that player, that GM has a infatuation with Andrew Vaughn. Says we get him in our building, he'll be this, that, and the other. But I, you know, he's been all right. But he hasn't been the guy that you thought he was going to be. That a lot of White Sox fans thought he was going to be yes. at this point. Yes. At this yes. point, yeah. yeah. And I'm, and then people are comparing him to Abreu. That's not the comparison. He's got to be just as good as he can be. He's not an uh, actual upgrade from what Abreu did last year. Abreu, yes, he is. I don't think he is. From
0: what Abreu did last year? No. Yes, from what Abreu did Does he did have last year. more home runs than Abreu already? No. How many home runs did Abreu hit last year? He had 15. 15. Oh, 15. Okay, yeah. never mind. I was off. Vaughn only had eight yep. so far.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think what you guys are talking about with some of the commenters are bringing up are pretty trans transformational questions or transformational proposed moves, right, to this team. It. It, they're in an odd spot where you know we keep talking about this is a team that can and maybe should even win this division, even at this point after all that's happened. Are they going to do something that would kind of remove some load bearing columns from this from what they've built here? I mean, I know that that might be met with some some guffaws by people who say, "What if they built? There are nine games under five hundred, but this." I, I would have to imagine that the vast majority of that front office still thinks that this collection of talent, if everything goes right, can be that team that they envision. Nothing, very little has gone right to this point, and so that's why you get this team where it's at are they in a position where they're going to start ripping things out? And if that's the case, is the whole thing going to go down? And are you going to do the start over and do it again? Or are you going to try to Jenga this thing and say, who's the guy that we can pull out and this, yep. thing, and this tower st- stays standing? I don't know. I think they think that Andrew Vaughn is very central to this thing moving forward. But the question then becomes... Are they going to do a sort of evaluation, and especially mid-season, that's even trickier, they're going to do an evaluation where they say, all right, we can start really kind of ripping things out of
0: this. Well, and I know Vaughn and Berger are first-round picks, but, like, the core doesn't involve Vaughn and Berger. I think like, the core moving forward involves
1: Vaughn. Yes, Absolutely. yes. But I'm yeah. saying, like,
0: the core that we've talked about for this rebuild, like, starting in 2020, right. it was Grant Dahl, It was before Anderson, Vaughn got here. Right, right yeah. Um, so, like, <laughs> like... He was a piece that would have been a bonus, right? Maybe he would have been able to play DH. Maybe he would have been able to be a right fielder, a left fielder. That's why they tried him out there. He wasn't. Jose Abreu moved on. Let's try him at first base, right? Like, that was kind of natural there. But, like, I think going to that Jenga piece, like, Luis Robert is the only true cornerstone. Right, that's the one that I'm but you not. You can't touching. win
1: Django with only one piece. No, I know, no, right. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, that's the one I'm not
0: touching. That's not that, that's not the one that I, I'm going after. Like that one does seem to be pretty solid to the core of the White Sox. Yeah. But like. Playing around with Eloy Jimenez, playing around with the Moncada, playing around with Tim Anderson, playing around with Yasmani Grandal. I don't think any of those are bad ideas with this approaching deadline. Because again, we're not sure how long of a cornerstone or a piece of the the Jenga tower they will be. Um, so I, I mean, I don't mind. And that's why it's tricky to court. make these decisions
1: in general. I mean, it yeah. goes to, it goes to show everybody out there how this is not an easy job. This is not, you know, what I mean, with the position they've gotten themselves into, there's no real easy. Well, way to get get this thing back on track or get it going on a completely other track. It's just not easy. They've they've they they purposefully, and we talked about this all off-season. They purposefully did this thing where all these guys are here and he, and and just entrenched. And I don't know if they can get out of that now that they might need to and now or he, want to. I hear
2: your point about Luis Robert, but in my estimation, there is no untouchable on a team that is 9 games below 500. And in this division, still four and a half games out. Even
0: him. That's a huge white flag, though, if they trade Luis Robert.
2: I mean, yes. They're giving up. Yes, it would be. I. It's it's probably not my favorite thing even to think about. But I wouldn't think there's any untouchable. I said this last year in the offseason. And people like, Dylan Cease, like, no one's untouchable. If you're a good team and that person, player, has built you to be that good team, yeah, that's a, a foundational piece that you can't mess with. But if somebody comes to the White Sox and says, "I want Luis Robert," and they give you a deal that blows your mind, hey man, you got to think about these things because you're not winning with them. Might as well try to rebuild on the fly, as Vening says. Like you could take a piece out and then try to quickly put the other piece up there and make sure the Jenga tower comes up. And Alex's point of but you can win with one only one Jenga piece if all the rest of the players like topple the thing. That's the White Sox strategy for the AL Central. Rest of the teams come back to them. They just hold their piece right there. It's like, okay, I, we didn't necessarily win. Y'all lost.
0: <laughs> and we just played 500 ball. Right. Um, let's move on to the next question. Um it's uh, other Sean saying, uh, if Tanner Bakes, or uh, sorry, it's uh, Ian Robo saying, a lot of talk about trading TA after the air, uh, what percent chance of that? Uh, I, I don't say it's high after our, our conversation. Um, was the air a big thing? Like, I, I honestly did not. Just I saw that they lost. They were up 5-1, and I didn't want to watch the pain. It's a bad play. <laughs> yeah. Within itself, it's a bad play, but it's the – all of it. Like, this is the
2: fourth time I recall him getting a ball on a drawn-in infield where he has – failed three of those times the time that he did succeed was the day before where he on friday got the throw threw it to sebi the tag was made they got the out but it saved the game yeah and right. it's happened way too many times and then it happened the next day he didn't get any outs like if you don't get the guy at the home i think most fans are like man that guy was going fast the ball was hit kind of slow got it but he didn't get the guy at a second or the out at first, which I think people think that it's kind of exasperated the the inning of five runs instead of the one that just scored, and so yeah, him missing that play, I think I know why people are angry, but I say for players like this, they've built up so much goodwill, you gotta give them a little break when they mess up, and I know Tim's answer wasn't the greatest for White Sox fans. He's like, yeah, yesterday I just made a great play. Today you guys are, I'm enemy number one. It's what have you done for me lately? But I give Tim, because he has built up with this fan base and this team, enough goodwill for you to say, all right, Tim, you messed up that play. We got you still. Let's go behind you. And if you trade Tim, what do you trade him at? One of the lowest points in his career. You're not getting anything for him. The Dodgers not trading the good players for him. He's a 260 hitter with a below 300 on-base percentage that
0: plays shortstop that's kind of suspect. What are you getting for that? Yeah, no, I, I get that. But also, like... That's not a good answer. I mean, you you talked last year about accountability left and right. This man has been below average defensively yes. the past I'm, 2 years. I would like some accountability. You're supposed to make plays as a baseball player. 100%. Congratulations. You made the play on Saturday. Got to make the play on Sunday too. Those game all, all the 162 games are are important. Like I'm just I'm just saying like as a professional athlete, you got to make that play. Like oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, so, no, I, I'm I'm just saying I don't I don't love that answer. That's that was, a, it? That was what a
2: chopper, two-hopper right off the – I mean, that was an easy double play ball, too. I could picture it. Yeah. I don't yeah, like I don't. I, I'm just saying, I give credit. I give him a little leeway. Yes, he needs to be dropped down the order. I, I said that in the offseason, and I was scoffed at by people here. Not here, here, on the, on the tweeters machine. But I think that Tim deserves the grace of the fans not to boo him on those plays. He's trying his best. He's doing his best. And you can say, man, Tim is messing up defensively and he's messing up offensively. But to say, ah, right, we need to trade him, mm, that's tough,
0: real tough. I don't think they will. I mean, again, like we, we talked about the value of that contract. It's just they'll, they'll probably ride that out and we'll see Tim Anderson in a White Sox uniform next year uh, just because that team option is 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 easy. I mean, if he turns it around, we know what he can be. Um, final question here is uh, with, I guess, the uh, – Uh, Liam Hendricks being placed on the IL. Other Sean is asking, if Tanner Banks performs adequately, should he be left on the team as someone who can give multiple innings? If so, who goes? Um, This is less about Tanner Banks and more about Garrett Crochet. Uh, I want to ask you guys a little bit about Garrett and what you have made about his return to the roster. Um, Just to note, Garrett obviously had the big stuff coming up in 2020, had a swing and miss percentage of 40.5%. Then in 2021, down to 28.7%, missed all of last year due to Tommy John surgery. And since coming back, his swing and miss percentage has been at 25.6%. It is declining, but what do you make of the left-hander?
1: I mean, he's not pitching very well right now. Uh, I think you're never going to see that guy from 2020 again. And that has nothing to do with the Tommy John that has to do with more of the way he pitched for an entire season in 2021. I I think we, you know, talked to him then, Hey, Hey, what's going on with the velocity? Why aren't we, why aren't you throwing 101 like you Mm -hmm. were last year? And he said, well, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm pitching, not throwing to, to use a, an oft uh, used, uh, uh, turn of phrase there. But, uh, he was very good in 2021. And I think if the White Sox got him to being that guy again, they'd be ecstatic. Uh, Right now, he's not pitching very well. Guess what? You saw the entire bullpen not pitch very well for a month, and now for the last month and a half, they've been fantastic. This happens with relief pitchers. Sometimes they don't pitch well for stretches, and then they figure it out and they turn great. If this lasts all the entire season and you've got a conversation to have about uh, what his role is in 2024 and and moving on, so be it. Right now, you know, they've got enough good arms in that bullpen. I'm not saying that they should keep a guy who's screwing up or anything like that, but – Garrett Crochet, they believe that he can be a very valuable part of the relief corps, and I don't think you take a handful of outings and say, no more, you're going back to AAA. Um, if they notice something that's very concerning, maybe they make that move, but I think right now it's just waiting to see if he can straighten things out. Agreed, 100%. I think he stays on the team, and I'm saying
2: Tanner Banks is not replacing him. I think Tanner Briggs' role is more of a long relief spot starter in this uh, team, but if Garrett Crochet is not hurt, yeah, I'm uh, having him as my second lefty in the bullpen over Tanner Banks.
0: Nothing wrong with depth, right, Sean? Nothing There's wrong, nothing wrong nothing, with depth, yeah. but I, I wonder where they need depth. Do they need depth in the bullpen right now? Because I, I understand that, you know, that they have Aaron Bummer, and we've kind of been building up of when Garrett Crochet comes back, when Garrett Crochet comes back. But when he was a very intriguing, relieving reliever prospect, it was when he was hitting 100 You said he's changed, not even because of the TJ surgery. That changed in 2021, even before he got that surgery. When they drafted him, they thought he was going to be a starter. And I know that that really hasn't been the narrative, but he is 23. The White Sox don't have depth when it comes to starting pitching prospects coming up. That is true. Uh, Their best pitching prospects, Noah Schultz, his ETA is 2026. Uh, fifth is Sean Burke. His ETA is 2023. It would be possible that maybe he could be a September call-up if the White Sox aren't contending or maybe they need some innings. Slow starter this year, too. He was hurt,
1: I believe, in, in early in the year, and now mm. he's just kind of – Still getting his legs under him a bit.
0: Right. And Charlotte, too, tough place to pitch. Um, seventh, Christian Manna. Uh, he's in a difficult uh, league to be pitching in right now because they're dealing with a specific ball as well, uh, the more tacked-up ball. But his ETA is 2024. Peyton Paulette, um, who was a second-round pitch, pick, his ETA 2025. Jonathan Cannon, 2025. Norhey Vera, 2024. Matthew Thompson, 2024. Cole Seamus, 2024. But he's got – he's in uh, A-plus, advanced A right now. He's got a 6 ERA. So, mm-hmm. like, how much of those ETAs actually true, right – Crochet, that's why they're E. It's it's estimated. That's the E and E-T-A. But Tanner McDougall, Jared Kelly, uh, Tyler Schweitzer as well, uh, 2024, 2025s. Like, it wouldn't be, I think, crazy if the White Sox said, hey, Garrett, maybe your stuff doesn't play the best for the bullpen. You still have a very interesting... Mechanic. I mean, you're 6'9". He's still 96 percentile in extension. We've seen Tyler Anderson be difficult for the White Sox to face because of ex- his extension. We've seen, uh who's the kid? Logan Allen. Uh, not that Logan Allen. The other Logan Allen from Logan Cleveland. Cleveland. Um, he, he's doing really well as a lefty with extension. Like, Crochet has something very interesting. He's got a 96-mile-per-hour fastball, uh, a big, lanky body coming after you. Like, I think there could be benefit to the White Sox pulling Garrett Crochet from the major league bullpen and saying, "Let's work on your your length here." Because mm-hmm. I think Tanner Banks could be the same quality of arm in that bullpen and give the White Sox honestly more length if they need people to eat innings. So I, I wouldn't I'm not sold on Crochet just yet.
1: At at this point, that's far that's a far more reasonable suggestion than it was in the offseason. Yes. Because I think in the offseason for good reason. The idea was 2023, 2023, 2023. We've got the, the – we, the White Sox, have the five starting pitchers. We would prefer Garrett Crochet to pitch. Right. So we'll throw him in the bullpen and, and he'll Davis pitch Martin. well. Right. Um, that the – just – I mean, they're nine games under five hundred. That things have changed. And if you are looking at the long term, even the, even the term as short as next season – We've, as we've talked about, you're looking at maybe needing to replace mm-hmm. 60% of your starting rotation, it's, it's a far more reasonable suggestion. Again, I don't know what they're looking at in terms of him coming off the Tommy John. I don't know what they're looking at in terms of them maybe thinking that tomorrow he's going to start lighting it up as a bullpen pitcher. Um, but there are questions that have arisen you know, over the last two, three months um, that make that a far more interesting suggestion I think than it than it has been in the past I think his value to the
2: 2023 White Sox team is greater than what he possibly can do for the 2024 White Sox team
0: it's only 23
2: I understand that but like they're seeing the the height of the Oakland series the the, the Cincinnati series in 2020 where he's just striking out dudes left and right for him to be a starter in 2024 I think that takes a, oh he's gonna
1: be a minor league starter in twenty twenty four. Yeah but yeah, I right. would think that,
2: that would take them him getting leaving right now for the White Sox and putting him in the minors to stretch him out now and then do it at next year too at the beginning of the year. So it's a lot of process, a lot of stuff that probably you don't want to do because the 2023 team needs Garrett Crochet. And I know the question was if Tanner Briggs impresses so much and Garrett keeps on going the way he is, would you do that swap? That would be the only way I would do it. Like, talk to him and say, hey, man, this new year's not working out for you. You're just coming back from Tommy John. We want to do this, that, and the other with you. I think your best role is to stretch yourself out and be ready for 2024 for us to be a starter because we're going to maybe lose 60% of our starting rotation. You can be the third, fourth, fifth guy. And this year, we're just going to call an L for your season and then try to stretch you out but for 2024. But that's no guarantee either if he's gonna, even going to be good because that'll be – Actually, his first time starting in the major leagues for a full season, as a pro he, starting he, as a pro at oh, all. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he never did. Like he went to the majors before he went to the minors. Yeah. so that's weird as hell. So well, and
1: also I would just say too, I agree with that. And it's too early in this season to to smack that button yet. Too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been a handful of outings. I think the guy could could very well find his footing.
0: Absolutely, and yeah. you could start. I mean, hopefully uh, seeing an increase in velocity. I mean, we. we we know with Liam, the more he pitched, though we saw the velocity increase. I mean, same thing with, with Liam, uh, uh with Garrett. Obviously, it's a different uh, injury or different uh, circumstances uh, with being uh, returning from Tommy John. But uh, you know, his average fastball velocity was a hundred uh, back in 2020, uh, 96.7 in twenty twenty one, and now it's around ninety six point six. But uh, it is climbing uh, with the, the more and more he, uh, outings he does have. Um, and two, if any, if it's any uh, positive. Uh, that pitch, uh, 19.1% swing and miss uh, rate in 2021. Now it's at like a 30%, which is closer to the 40% it was in 2020. So uh, maybe he's finding uh, that that effectiveness soon. But he's a, he's an interesting player uh, in the White Sox bullpen. We'll see what happens. Uh, I thought we were going to have more time, but hey, we're over an hour. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure you're hitting that thumbs-up button. That's Vinny Dubry. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Dubry. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. That's Herb Lawrence You can follow him on Twitter, at Akronwell23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sean underscore W underscore uh We got a softball game at seven. Uh, I, I know someone asked. Uh, so I'm going to go do what Andrew Benatendi doesn't and hit a home run. Bye. Talk to you tomorrow.